everyone, and welcome to another episode of Friday Finds for September 22nd, 2023. I'm your host, Lynn Schneider, and I thank you so much for joining me today. Okay, so I want to start off today's podcast with a question. So thinking about your social media usage, say on a daily basis or whatever, if the platform you were using started charging a subscription fee, would you pay it? I mean, would it be worth it to you to actually subscribe and have to pay a subscription price for your favorite social media platform? So this particular question came to mind as I was reading an article from TechCrunch where they talked about Elon Musk, who is currently in charge of X or Twitter or whatever. And he says that he's really tired of the bots. He's tired of the spam. And he feels that creating a subscription model for Twitter for everyone would actually help decrease the shenanigans and increase the quality of the posts and increase the signal-to-noise ratio, so to speak. And he says that, um, he also points out that he feels that a subscription model would create a more fair and transparent system for the platform because the platform wouldn't have to rely so much on advertisers or data collection to sustain itself economically. And I guess the question in my mind is, How much would people be willing to pay and what would their expectations be if they had to pay a subscription fee? And also, is this going to become something that all of the social media platforms do? I think everyone will be sort of watching and seeing how this works out um, for Musk and his platform. But, you know, we already know that and we've talked about on this show and many others (laughs) before that people do right now have subscription fatigue. Everybody is paying for subscriptions to pretty much everything, all sorts of different types of entertainment. And as we know, the price of everything is rising precipitously all the time. So I know a lot of people use social media platforms, but would they be willing to actually commit to paying for them? But this also brings up some of the drawbacks that I've thought about and have found in my research. One of those is that many people will not be able to afford the subscription fee. And sometimes those voices might be people who really need to be able to communicate through social media, like activists and people that are um, communicating or trying to communicate in a natural disaster or have a nonprofit organization or maybe a disease, an organization for a certain disease, and they're trying to communicate research or things like that, that people might not be able to do if they can't afford the subscription. So then you would end up with basically elites taking over, people with deep pockets, getting their voices heard while others can't. So it sort of goes against the original ideals of social media being the town square where everybody comes together and everybody has a voice. So I don't know what the future is going to be, but I know, for example, that Instagram, I think, has a premium version. A lot of the 
social media platforms now are getting premium versions of their services. And I don't know how they're doing economically, but it will be interesting to see what how this plays out and what kind of changes we're going to see as a result of this. The question is, if there are free services out there like Mastodon, for example, will people migrate to those services instead of paying the fees? But I often think also of the question of what happens if server admins decide to possibly charge for use of Mastodon servers? I mean, after all, there's a cost to admins, time, money, all of that. So how would that affect Mastodon? So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out in the future. So as I'm sure you're aware, sometimes rules, legislation, guidelines are made with the best intentions, but they have unintended negative consequences. Now, this phenomenon describes very well a situation that the blind community right now is dealing with related to an app that's very popular in the blind community called Be My Eyes. And you may have heard of it. It's been in the press and it's an awesome app. Now, when this app first started, it relied on sighted volunteers to give us these verbal descriptions. And I really need to give a shout out to all those sighted volunteers who do this for us because it is Every once in a while, you just need some visual description or visual guidance in order to just get something done. So a while back, um, Be My Eyes partnered with OpenAI, who are obviously the makers of um, GPT-4. They also run ChatGPT. I'm sure you've heard of it. It's an artificial intelligence service that can do image-to-text descriptions, among other things. And the partnership was designed to kind of allow artificial intelligence to do some of the description and some of the, the verbal feedback that we need. And it could describe pictures. It was wonderful. It went through a lot of beta testing And it was recently released to everyone in in the, the users in the blind community. And it has gotten lots of very positive feedback. The problem that we're having right now is that there have been some limitations put on GPT-4 by OpenAI in response to a lot of criticism that OpenAI and artificial intelligence services have been getting. There is so much fear about AI. And this is something that I'm not going to go on a rant about this, but yeah, maybe I am actually. (laughs) And I'm not criticizing anyone in this situation because ChatGPT, OpenAI, all of these artificial intelligence services are under great pressure right now. So one one of the things that they've done is they've put up what, what we call guardrails. And they are sort of limitations or guidelines that the models use. So again, to do this image to text, it will, the user takes a picture, it's sent to this model, GPT-4, and the interpretation is done at using the model, and then it will come back with a description. The problem is that for privacy reasons and the protection of people, 
they will not allow faces to be described. In fact, the faces are blurred out. So for example, if you have a picture of, say, people sitting on a park bench, and you want to know about the people sitting on the park bench, they you won't get a description of those people. Now, as it's, state, it's stated in the um, Be My Eyes blog, talking about this problem, we're not talking about facial recognition. We're not talking about looking at that park bench and identifying these people by name. But what we're talking about is just describing that there are people on the bench or, you know, there's a a woman with, you know, uh, some whatever color jacket. I mean, it really gave great descriptions of the pictures. And now because of that guideline, because of the model not being allowed to do image facial image description basically blind people are not getting the full understanding of what a picture is um, actually showing so this is sort of an unfortunate situation that really is no one's fault i think open ai is trying to protect people's privacy and trying to not allow its systems to be used for identification of people. But the unfortunate aftermath of that is that blind people who sometimes use these descriptions to actually get a description of themselves, but as long as there is a a face in the picture, that picture will not be correctly described because it's going to blur out the face. And, you know, of course, there are legal implications in having these models be able to identify people in pictures. Um, and, you know, this is going to have to be worked out in the courts. But unfortunately, it really does hamper the ability of the app of um, Be My Eyes to actually do what it's designed to do, which is just to give us a description in the way that a sighted person would get if they just looked around. If you looked around, you looked at that park bench, you would see a whole bunch of people and they all have faces. You might not know who they are, but all of those faces have a description. And unfortunately, we're not going to be able to get that description now because of these guardrails. And I know that everybody's in a difficult spot here. And again, I'm not criticizing anyone, but I think this is an important example of why when we put guardrails and we do guidelines and we do legislation, we really need to consider all stakeholders and all use cases. I just feel like people are so terrified of artificial intelligence that it clouds their ability to see the possibilities and the promise of AI. Our last story for today is from The Atlantic, and it's an article that talks about how our personal health data is increasingly being collected and shared in ways that we may not realize. Now, we're all using these apps and devices to help us keep track of our health. But one thing that we may not be really thinking about, according to this article in The Atlantic, is what happens to all of that data. 
typically when you install these apps or when you use these devices, you are presented with a survey that asks you about your health, maybe your habits. And these surveys can often ask some pretty personal information. Some of it may be necessary for the service to be provided to you. But the question is, what happens to that data once you provide it to the service? In some cases, it could be something as simple as just a search or just expressing an interest in something. For example, last year, the Department of Justice settled with Meta, which used to be Facebook, over its alleged violations of the Fair Housing Act by allowing its advertisers to not show certain ads to people whose interests they had determined included things like service animal and accessibility. In another example, they talk about BetterHelp, and BetterHelp is a provider of online mental health services, therapy services. And what they were saying is that um, you, when you sign up for BetterHelp, you fill out a survey, you ask, it asks you questions because it tries to match you with the right therapist. Now, some of those questions would include things like, are you taking any medications? Are you experiencing problems with intimacy? If you're religious, if you're LGBTQ, um, and if you were a teenager. Now, these questions would all be asked on a standard form that you would fill out in a therapist's office. So the questions themselves are not really the problem. The issue that regulators had with BetterHelp is that the service was sharing things like people's email addresses, their IP addresses, and their survey results with third parties, including Facebook and Snapchat, which is, of course, were then able to use that data for ad targeting. And apparently, BetterHelp was not really making sure that the data was not being misused once it left their own systems. So, of course, this intimate and very personal data is like gold to these advertisers, as well as to the platforms that serve the ads. And the concern is not just the information, but the amount of information, because we leave these digital droppings of data about us all over the place, even, you know, without even realizing it. The article has lots of information and I would encourage you to read it. It's very interesting. And I think what it demonstrates ultimately is the need for clarity, for legal clarity around these issues, because the stakes are very high and the potential for harm is great. And even if the companies that we're dealing with, you know, the service providers are respectful of people's privacy. The problem happens when third parties get their hands on this data and then all bets are off. And so we do need to just be aware of that, that the information that we give out to online services or anyone else for that matter may not be kept in strict confidence as we would hope. So I think this is where we're going to wrap it up for this week. I appreciate your tuning in, liking, subscribing, and I love your feedback. And you can send that to me at 
feedback at fridayfinds.show. That's feedback at fridayfinds.show. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts by searching for Friday Finds with Lynn. And also you can visit my website for this podcast, which is fridayfinds.show. So again, I thank you so much and I hope you have a great weekend and a great week ahead. And I hope to see you on the next episode.